This week's episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Found Penny Studio. Found Penny Studio is exclusively fulfilling our Patreon Tier 3 merchandise perk by doing what they do best, creating to celebrate everyday moments like your favorite TV series. Check out Found Penny Studio's creations at foundpennystudio.com and find Couch Potatoes Unite on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash couchpotatoesunite. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. Potatoes unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch potatoes unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch potatoes unite. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name because we've been re-sleeved, okay? Get it? I'm the blogger in question and the self-styled chief couch potato. My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com, as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU, exclamation point, hopes you've been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays. And as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to our website or the podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, via Google Play, Spotify, and on iHeartRadio and CastBox to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including, but not limited to, Supernatural, Orange is the New Black, Gotham, the Marvel shows on Netflix, Stranger Things, iZombie, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, The Good Place, The Crown, Game of Thrones, American Horror Story, and Grace and Frankie. Plus, new episodes are in the works, including revisits for Doctor Who, Schitt's Creek, Westworld, Fuller House, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Will and Grace. We'll be launching new panels covering The Orville, Big Little Lies, and The Good Doctor. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap, and we'll thank the Golden Girls for being friends. By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic-cons, and game stores. Plus, we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in these semi-quarantine times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to our website, our YouTube channel, our Apple iTunes channel, our Stitch Radio channel, or find us on Google Play, on Spotify, on CastBox, and on iHeartRadio. In the meantime, if you don't hear a show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews and we always seek new panelists, so if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of those outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback, just don't rain angel fire down upon us. It is so unnecessarily destructive, for crying out loud. Today, we're around the water cooler to resume discussion of a Netflix streaming original based upon a dystopian science fiction novel of the same name, and that name is Altered Carbon. 
If you're not already aware, you should know that from time to time your chief couch potato and main moderator, i.e. me, needs a break, particularly when I think others are more passionate about the show we're discussing at the moment. Case in point, this particular panel series, which I'm not here to moderate, will not alter that carbon in the slightest. Rather, frequent panelist Spencer returns to the moderating microphone to continue spearheading this series of changeable element number six, while rejoined by the sleeves of Kel, Celine, Ben, and Julianne, as well as yours truly, kicking back panel style for this chat. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Spencer back to the moderating microphone. Take it away, Spencer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We are into the distant future, 30 years further than the last time, and we are going to be talking about Altered Carbon Season 2, which had a completely new cast and lots of things to talk about. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Doing great. Doing great. good. So, as always in these scenarios, we have character questions as to who you relate with in relation to how you felt about this show. So we'll start off with those. Are you Takashi Kovacs? Obsessed with it. You're wanting to consume it all and solve everything while rekindling your love for the show. Are you Kill Chris Falconer? While your original commitment is still there, you have a new purpose and you'll do whatever it takes, even if it ends you and everything else. Are you Colonel Carrera? You don't really care about the show. In fact, you want to destroy it and move on to something else at all costs. Are you Poe? You're confused by the show, but sometimes you flash back to the, its original glory and you want to remain a faithful servant to it. Or are you Governor Harlan? You're living in the shadow of a former powerhouse, and you want to be as good or better than the original, but you feel that you're not quite there yet. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Tell us who you are. I actually am more related, I guess, to Governor Harlan than any of the other characters. I, I really enjoyed the, the first original season. I liked what it brought to the table. I liked the mystery of it, like the, you know, who killed the mess in the beginning, like how did that all play out, and then how everything interties. I like the the web and intrigue in it, and I didn't feel like this season had as much of that. It felt more actiony and sci-fi than thriller mystery with the sci-fi. So still enjoyed it, but definitely enjoyed the first season a lot better. Okay, and tell everybody who you are in real life. My name is Ben. And what other podcasts have you done? I've done, obviously, the Altered Carbon, the, the first one, and Heart of Westworld. Great. Well, welcome back. Hello. So I would say that I, I'm Julianne, by the way. I have done season one of Altered Carbon podcast. I did the Mr. Robot podcast, which I think was 57 hours long. But yeah, so I'm back to talk about season two. And I would say that I am more closely related to Poe. I'm a little bit confused, but sometimes I flash back to the original glory and I want to remain a faithful servant to it. I feel like there was a lot that happened in a very short amount of time. And the first time I watched season one, I kind of felt the same way that I wanted more, but I felt like I had enough to be satisfied. Whereas season two, I wanted more, but not, I didn't have enough to be satisfied. I still was left with a lot of questions, but I still enjoyed it. Great. Thank you. Who's next? First off, I'm Celine. And secondly, I just want to say all the Hamilton puns I want to make because you keep saying satisfied. <laughs> and also because of Kel, but yeah. yeah. But you can't because trademark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what podcasts have you been on? I have been on a lot. I've been on Person of Interest. I've been on Agent Carter, The Hundred. But you jumped the shark on that one. I did. 
a series of unfortunate events. I was just on Dollhouse. My wife is glaring at me. I'm not glaring at you. And I feel like I'm forgetting. <laughs> Sorry, that's them. just my face. <laughs> <laughs> what else have I been on? I've been on a lot, and I can't remember them. A lot. Yeah. I can relate. Yes. Who are you? I already said my name. I'm sorry. No, I was oh. prompting you to complete your question. <laughs> I'm a hot mess, is what I am, apparently. Hi, hot mess. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I would have to relate a lot with Poe because of a lot of the reasons that Julianne said, but I'm also kind of like, I'm kind of a Calchrist Falconer in that I, I still have that original commitment that I felt to the show, but it's definitely changed in how I'm feeling for it. Like, And I think that has a lot to do with how, like, the changing of the characters and just, I think, where my love and interest lie, laid with the show in season one is different than it is now. Like, I think I'm much more focused on Kel and Poe than I was in season one. And I would almost say that it's more of a character-driven, like, love for the show now than it was in season one. Like, in season one, it was an overarching, like, love for the entire show. I thought it was so well put together and so novel in a lot of ways, whereas I think that's worn off. And that's not what I love about the show now. So I'm, I, I'm going to say Kel and Poe. Yeah, welcome back, Celine. Who's yeah. next? There's two of you. Oh, I guess there is two of us. I, I forget that Kylie's not <laughs> moderating. It's so weird. <laughs> I'll go next, though, because I'm talking. So I'm Kels, <laughs> and I... Hi. I have been on many podcasts also. A lot of the ones that Celine named, because we tend to do them as a couple, we're married. Dynamics. Also, Ben is my brother. Dynamics. I always get yelled at when I don't name dynamics. So that is a thing. <laughs> well done for hitting the And Julianne is my hairdresser and friend, and Kylie is my friend, and, and like, Spencer neighbor. is my acquaintance. So that's all the dynamics. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but Anyways. Spencer is your soon-to-be friend. <laughs> yes, we're working on our friendship. It is, it is blossoming. In development. Um, in development, that's right. We've we might get a pilot if we're lucky. <laughs> we might, maybe, maybe. I'd watch that. <laughs> I would too, actually. Maybe a little bit like the odd couple. I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, I've also been on like Supernatural and The Vampire Diaries. I'm trying to think of one Celine wasn't on and didn't mention. I think those are mostly the ones she wasn't on. And I I have a hard Firefly. time with Firefly. We were both on Firefly. And The Good Place. We were both on Firefly <laughs> and The Good Place. Yes, which just came out. Oh, that was a good one. No pun intended. <laughs> and I'm struggling with this question a lot because I think I was a little bit all over the place for this season. I think at first I started out being kind of ho, but also like very open-minded about the season, but because I was Poe and I was like yes the first season was so great and I'm going to be open-minded about this season and I just have continued to kind of stay that way but I don't know that I really loved it or or liked it but I liked a lot of the characters I just don't know that I liked the actual story or anything I watched <laughs> so I don't know where that puts me <laughs> But I really like the characters a lot. So I don't know who who that makes me. I guess I'll say Poe because I still liked the first season a lot. But I do think it I I think I'm a little more than just Poe. Like maybe a Calchrist, 
Maybe a dash of Carrera. <laughs> Maybe a dash of Carrera. <laughs> Just wanted to get it over with. Maybe. I mean, I definitely am a completionist, so that's always in there for me a little bit of like, all right, let's get through this. But I think there was more to that. I mean, definitely as we got to like some of the political intrigue and the the story of Kel and like what was going on with her, I got a little bit more bingy with it like I was like okay I need to know like what's going on with this so I was a little bit covet in that way of like needing to know what's going on you want to throw in Harlan too just to complete the set (laughs) that's why I said I don't know that's why I said I don't know but I didn't I didn't love it because my original answer was Kovach but I don't I don't think that I I didn't love it as much as I loved the first season for sure. So I. All right. Thank that's you. That's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back, Kels, and welcome back, Ben, and welcome back, Julianne, because I didn't say it to them. But I get to go next because, as Kels pointed out, I'm not moderating. I'm just on the panel, and my name is Kylie. I've mentioned that. And what? Hi, Kylie. Hi. And what podcast have I been on? Well. <laughs> all of them. Well, not all of them. There's maybe two I haven't done. And then as far as season two of Altered Carbon, well, as you know, if you listen to the first episode in this series, I wasn't what you would call the most enthusiastic of our panel members, even with the first season. However, the second season, I liked it less than season one. I didn't dislike it. So I think where I I fall is somewhere between Poe. I'm not confused by it. If anything, I feel like I followed the story in the second season more easily than I did in the first season, but I was kind of flashing back to the first season and thinking about all the things that were different between the Mm -hmm. two. And then also Kel. I don't think I have new purpose, but I do have the purpose of wanting to complete it now because where the season ends... I mean, I think it was fair when Julianne said it wasn't quite satisfying and they kind of left it on an open end. And so now I feel like I have to know what happens, even though I'm not necessarily throwing my arms up and jumping up and down to find out either. So that's lukewarm, but that's where I'm at. All right. Thank you, Carly. And I'd say welcome back, but it seems strange to welcome you back to something that you do all the time. (laughs) I appreciate the sentiment all the same. All right. I'm Spencer. I'm moderating this week. I have been on all of the. Yes, it's a really strange last name. It's an old English name. (laughs) (laughs) I am on a lot of podcasts. I do all of the DCTU stuff, and I did all of the Marvel, except for. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., most of the English shows, The Crown, Sherlock, Downton Abbey, Dollhouse, Persons of Interest, and many, many more. And I think I was one of the first people to mention Altered Carbon to Kylie, and here we are for... Was I the first? You were the first. All right. Well, I really loved season one. Season one I found absolutely fascinating. I would say in season two I'm probably still... Takashi Kovach, but there is some Poe in there. I wasn't really confused by it, but I didn't feel the same flow as I did in the first one. While the first one, you were guessing a lot at the beginning, it all made sense by the end. And I think in this one, the story at the beginning made kind of had a straight line and made some sense, but it felt rushed to get to the end. So I kind of fall between the two there. And yeah, we'll, we'll move on and talk about a lot of that stuff as we go forward here. So 
with this show in season two and something that actually I think intrigued most of us at the end of season one is that we knew it was being mostly recast because of the nature of the characters being sleeves. You can change actors, but still have the same character. So we got a near complete cast change and it also did a time jump 30 years into the future. So that I think allowed the time change or the, the character, or cast change to feel somewhat natural. How do you guys feel about the new actors? Specifically, I'd say Takashi, because he's the main returning character outside of Poe, who was indeed played by the same actor. What do you guys think of the way that that worked, and did they live up to the original show? So I, I'll answer first. I've been thinking about this, because I, I extremely enjoy Anthony Mackie. I've watched the entire MCU. He is Falcon in the MCU, and possibly another hero if they continue with him in the next phase and I, I think he is an actor with chops I struggled with this and I, I the, the premise for the show I mean I walked in expecting a certain amount of well I'm gonna have to get used to this actor the thing that struck me about Anthony Mackie was that I didn't feel like he had tox energy at first. And it's funny because tox energy, I define that in terms of, I, I thought that Joel Kinnaman and then the actor who plays the OG talk had a common thread of energy, which is why you were able to suspend disbelief for the two of them. I felt like Anthony Mackie did not have that at first until Kel came back. And then all of a sudden he, he had it. I thought... When Tak was the lounge singer in the season premiere, that lady had more Tak energy at first, really, than Anthony Mackie did. And it just, it took me a really long time, more than I expected, because I love him, to warm up to him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I found the same thing. While I thought he did a fine job of playing a role, I don't feel like he was playing the same role. Right. Agreed. I disagree. And Celine and I got in a fight about this, but I actually, I actually feel like he did a, I thought that he did a good job of playing the character. And yeah, I thought that he did a good job of capturing Tox's cool aloofness right from the get-go. So I don't know. I and and then I preferred the original talk clone, which I know we'll get to later much more, just because of the choices that this talk character was making and the way he was written, I think. But yeah, no, I think I don't know. I disagree. I think a lot of my hang ups with Mackie's Kovach, I think come from came from the way he interacted with other people. I think he did fine as a brooding, upset, not, I wouldn't say upset, but like a brooding, aloof, band solo trying to get a job done. Like when he was doing scenes or when he was in action scenes or when he was fighting or doing like detective stuff, I thought he was fine. But I, I think that a majority of my problem came with how he interacted with those around him, which is why I think his interactions with Kel are what made, made that connection feel alive again for you Kylie is because I think he did really well with interacting with Kel I think it was his interactions with other people and particularly Poe I think that's where my biggest hang-up came from was that I just yeah but that's the writing that's not the actor maybe maybe well but that's the trick right if the writer doesn't stay consistent how can you have two different actors playing this character and they're supposed I mean it's even more 
more of a change and a quicker change than like the Doctor on Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. But the writing from season to season produces kind of this effect. I also thought maybe that Anthony Mackie connected to the story better when Kel's character came back into it. Or maybe he mm -hmm. just has fantastic chemistry with Renee Elise Goldberry. I don't know, but... No, I, so, I definitely feel what you're saying, Kylie, because I, I felt very similarly. It wasn't until Kel came into the picture that I started to really understand him as talk. That being said, like, that role requires such an athletic actor, and so I think he was a great choice for that, and I think Anthony Mackie, like, he's, like you said, he has the chops, and that's why I felt like once he got to those more, like, heavy emotional scenes... And because you know in the first season, so much of what's driving Tuck is that relationship with Cal, that's why that's when I started to, I guess, buy him as Tuck. But I also feel like the absence of the relationship with Paul was a big part of why I wasn't really feeling him for that role mm -hmm. in, in the beginning of the season. Because that's a huge missing piece. And that's a huge part of why that first season is like is charming in a lot of ways, is you love that interaction that they have together. And I think it's more so writing than anything else that these two characters didn't get together in the way that they did. But like that does feel like it was missing for me. Paul was also different, though, too, because of his glitching. Yeah, and, and that was one of my other other questions for you guys is the way that Tack treated Poe in this season. I really disliked it. I, I, the friendship that they had essentially built by the end of season one seemed to be replaced more with a complete disdain from Tark towards Poe. I mean, I realized that 30 years had gone on and if Poe had been degenerating that entire time, that would be frustrating. I know on a personal level, the last time I saw my grandfather, he had Alzheimer's and he would bring up the same conversation about every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I could see how that would get frustrating. I just, it was such a big jump from where we left season one to where we left season two in the way in which their relationship was. It felt abrasive to me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it missed a lot of the, if there had been moments where they had, like, connected better. I, I get the frustration, and I get the problems that all happen with glitching, but I think that it might have just fit in slightly better had there just been more moments where there you did get to glance that old, or see that old relationship, but I didn't even really get that ever. Yeah. Kelsey, are you doing an elephant impersonation, or do you need to say something? <laughs> Hi. Ben was trying to talk like four people ago. Yeah, no, I, I keep trying to talk and then everyone starts talking, so I stopped. Go for it, Ben. We were asked to. So I didn't even get to answer the first question. <laughs> but after, actually after listening to everyone talk about how they felt with the, the actor change and everything, I, I feel like it made more sense just listening to how everyone was describing, like, at first he seemed, talk didn't seem himself in there, which think about it he's been you know 30 years since the last one where he he had this hope of i believe kel's out there i believe i can find her traveling all throughout the their their universe he's traveling with poe who's been his companion but is degrading he's messing up probably costing talk different things but he keeps with him because he does have that 
relationship and everything. By the time we find him, he's when he's the lounge singer in the beginning, he's run out of his luck. He's basically doing odd jobs for money again, which at the end of the first season, he was well off. So he's blown through this fortune trying to find any sort of lead on Kel. And so when we find when we first see him, he's kind of like a bit broken down, a bit tired of it all. And when he finally starts finding that thread, I think he gets that's when he starts becoming more of himself i guess and starts building up more towards the the talk that we all expected maybe not when he first meets kel but also when he starts getting that spark of i could find her i have another purpose i'm not just living day to day and getting by because it's you know i was told to survive so yeah yeah i agree with that like he has the reignited energy because he found a lead and also i guess i don't know i just my question is, like, what did you see in his interactions with other people that you didn't see, like, in the first season that you didn't see in this season, in the beginning? He seemed shorter with people. Yeah. You know, his, his exchanges were very, no, one word, just much, there was less involvement between him and the other characters than I think we saw before. A good example of that is the relationship he ended up having with Ortega, beyond the physical, but just their, their back and forth. They try to do the same in in this season with Trap, and I don't feel it worked as well as it did in, in season one with Ortega. Well, they also didn't have the same chemistry as Ortega because of the obvious i think (laughs) (laughs) you know so i think there was that part you know i think with ortega there was always that sexual chemistry as well that that fueled some of their banter well but i don't use simone missick as who i love by the way she was in luke cage she's misty knight Mm -hmm. and iron fist and she's got a new show and i I just love that actress so much. I think she brings a lot to whatever role she's in. So I didn't use her as the measurement stick for it because even though, yeah, they were trying to bring in somebody who's sassy and street smart and has all this worldly knowledge, if you will, and fighting for some sort of cause, though the cause is a little bit different than what Ortega was fighting for, that's not what put me off. With. Yeah, so my question, I guess my question is, like, what interactions, what what was it that put you off? Because I'm still, I mean, I'm kind of going along with, with Ben's view, but also I just, I still just didn't really see much of a difference, especially thinking about where he ended in season one, you know, having just, like, killed his sister and just, I mean, he ended with some heavy stuff in season one. Technically killed or... His, his other self, there was the other right version of him as well, so... Yeah, so, I mean, after going through all that heavy stuff, and then you add, you know, Ben's scenario on top of that, I'm just like, I wouldn't really want to be super gracious with people either, I guess. Well, I'm gonna... I'm gonna reframe your question a little bit, because I, I don't know that it was the interactions that I'm referring to, What I noticed about season two is that they had to do a lot of table setting again because I didn't realize that they were on this planet where he grew up at first. I thought they were still in that either back on Earth or I didn't know where they were. They had to do Mm. a lot of expositional storytelling again on top of the fact that we were getting 
back used to a new sleeve for Tak in, in the form of this actor. And like I said, I probably would have bought into him right away, but for the fact that Tak was the, the female lounge singer in the very first moments of the premiere, and I just felt like she was much more convincing as Tak. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Intellectually, I see where you're coming from, mm -hmm. but as a viewer, that... It's not always intellectually that you're viewing a character. And I think what was missing was I, a connection, I like think an emotional... I, I think what we're struggling with is a classic case of doctor regeneration syndrome. <laughs> but I usually um, adjust pretty quickly with the doctors. Because I understand that... Because I'm not going to say I don't have regeneration grief like every other Doctor <laughs> Who fan. But I, I, because I understand that that is a natural concept in the show... I've liked, mm -hmm. I mean, I've watched all of the modern doctors, and I've liked them all in various forms and ways, you know? And I was prepared to do the same here, and it's not to say that I don't like Anthony Mackie. I felt he got there. Like yeah. I said, when Kel came along, and by the way, I have a confession. Because I had never, like, seen the Hamilton or listened to the Hamilton. <laughs> and then I saw the Hamilton when it came out on the Disney Plus, and now I realize she's in the Hamilton, which I don't think we talked about in the last time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's why everybody knows her. Anyway, <laughs> but I just, for some reason, and I, maybe it is because of Kels, what you're describing, you know, he's lit up with hope. But even that was not, I mean, it's not often that we saw talk hopeful in season one. So I don't think that that's it either. I just think that there was, I feel that maybe the actor connected more to that portion of the story than he did the initial part. I just feel that there's a marked difference between what Joel did with talk and what Anthony did with talk. And they feel like different interpretations of the same character to me. But yeah, that, that's probably going to happen, you know. Do, do we feel that we can explain that away with the 30-year time jump, though? Does a lot can happen in 30 years in a person's life. You can see a shift in personality, especially if you're searching for something and you're worn down by it and you've lost a fortune and you're dealing with a friend who's essentially losing his mind. Does that explain it well enough? Quite honestly, I hadn't realized that that much time had passed. Same. I, I honestly thought it was more time had passed than that. It's because of how jarring of a jump it was. I don't remember them saying it was 30 years. Maybe it was somewhere, but I don't remember it in the show. So I think they just jumped in. And that was a little bit of a jarring thing, too, is when it started. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to be looking for Kel. And then it was like, oh, he's been looking for Kel. So I was like, there, there is something missing. Did I miss something? So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how much time had passed either, but I, I do feel like if there is any, which I, I still disagree about, I, I still remember talk as being cold and aloof, so I disagree about it, but I do think that, I do think that that can be explained by the 30-year jump. I, I also think, you know, going kind of on to the Poe question since we touched on it, I think the other reason that he's so angry with Poe is because he's very worried that Poe's memory glitches are going to get them actually killed or threatened his mission for finding Cal, which it, is... It, it really almost does. Yeah. 
with the yeah, bio tracker and mainly the bio tracker at least that was the yeah. big one because he yeah. didn't know that they could track him or any of the other features on there and it's because poe couldn't remember he was trying but i would like to say in all fairness poe really was trying to tell him and he was just not listening to anything poe had to say he was being a real douche nozzle in that scene and it's his <laughs> own fault that Poe never got around to telling him before he glitched and forgot. So he even had it on a sticky note because yeah. he knew that was a possibility. And Poe, or not Poe, and, and Tock screwed that up. So I'm going to blame that one strictly on Tock. <laughs> well, to be fair, he it, it's weird when you talk about Poe as like a person where he has a lot of human traits. He is actually just a AI and all of these issues, the memory glitches, all the things, could actually have just been solved by him turning himself off and on again. And it's the human aspects, the imperfection aspects, that are keeping him from doing that. But it was getting to the point with, I think, in their relationship or in their, their team efforts that it was, like Kelsey said, like going to get them killed. It was going to end up getting them both in trouble, you know, or worse. So where and, and especially talk being like an envoy and everything knowing like you need to do what you have to in order to get things done in some ways he couldn't understand or didn't understand why he wasn't able to do just that you know and he it was more of he was worried that he was going to forget he didn't know for sure he was going to forget so it's like if you saw somebody like hey you just need to take this medicine and then you'll be better, and they're like, well, but what if I, what if something else happens? And then, well, and no, you need to do this. I feel we're like... We're going to die. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, too, when it comes to the treatment of Poe this season, like, with Tak's treatment of Poe, and just kind of everything that they put through in general, it's a little, as a viewer, like, it almost comes off a little cruel, just because they, they endear you so much to him that it's not necessarily fair to just pass him off as only AI. And it just, everything that happens to him is, it just seems so like the heart, the heart is there. Like we already, Paul already has our hearts and now you got to stomp on it even more. Like that, that's just kind of, I don't know. My, that was my takeaway of how Paul was treated this season, not just by talk, but by the writing in general. I don't know. By end of season one, we actually thought Poe was dead. So, mm -hmm. yeah. and then we see him and to me, I guess I, I'm more on like talk's mindset of, Oh, you can reboot and then be completely fine and better do that. Then but fine. But the thing is, is by rebooting, he's literally going to lose everything that has made him him, and it's not even, it, it is not a known that he will come back. If he reboots, he literally could get lost to the system. He might not regenerate. Right. That's not a, a guarantee. Like, uh, he could end up in some annals of the AI universe. Like, he might not be able to come back the way he which is. is why he, which is why he didn't do it until yeah. later in the season, obviously. And it's not um, even just his memory. It's literally, like, he might not be able to manifest himself. Mm. Yeah. I think it would be, he wouldn't be able to manifest as he is seen then. I mean, he's that program that is Poe is still going to be there. It's just a matter of will he be the same as he was based on the experiences that he had, based on, I guess, all his years as being a hotel AI that was abandoned for so long and then finally had friends, or, you know, made a friend, had a patron and everything. Yeah. He, he was worried that he was going to lose all memory of talk. 
and, yeah, that, and that was my impression was that he would go back to being like default Poe, so like right. his very or first original settings. And not just talk, but what's her name? The daughter, Lizzie. 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 Mm-hmm. I think yeah, actually he has a huge role in Poe's life. Yeah, he actually seemed more concerned about losing yes. Lizzie than talk, yes. honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, because the way Lizzie's what made him realize. Because Lizzie's what made him realize that even as an AI, he still, he can be useful. He can, well, not only that, but Lizzie made him feel like he could be human. He He wanted to be more than just an AI. And that's what he didn't want to lose. He didn't want to lose that sense of self that he had acquired. And I realized Lizzie is the manifestation of that in his mind. But that's what he didn't want to lose more so than Lizzie herself. It was that sense of purpose that she gave him. Yeah. I really feel like they they treated him that way this season because they knew he was, like, our one connection to the first season. So he was, like, the one character that all the viewers actually cared about. So they treated him like a whipping boy? Yep. Yeah. To, well, like, to keep us watching and to keep us caring. Th- this is the way I would stop caring. It worked, didn't it? Kept watching. <laughs> Not because they were hating on Poe. I still, I felt like you still have the emotional core with the connection between Tak and Kel, which is why, again, going back to like, it just felt a little unnecessarily cruel, the treatment of Poe, because there, there's already an emotional story there that I can connect with and that I do feel like I can relate to. And then, yeah, Poe kind of became the whipping boy. You know, in some ways, though, he was the whipping boy originally, but by the end, honestly, I think him and Tak had grown even closer because they could... I don't know. I think Tak started to see him as more than just an AI companion and more as, a, like, an actual friend and compatriot. And, like, Poe, when Poe was no longer employed by him and he said his service was no longer needed, Poe still went out of his way to go into the one construct. I can't think of what they were called, but risking himself to try and get this information for Tak, and Tak would have never asked for it. He, he wouldn't have, and Poe did it anyways, and I think that's when maybe Tak started to see him as more of a friend and less of a, I don't know, computer program in that regard. Yeah, I think up until that point, Tak had kind of seen him more as an employee, even though I don't really know how much he was actually paying him at that point, or if he... When he dismissed him, I was so sad. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was, it was kind of... That was a, that was a heartstrings moment that just, I was like, oh, oh no, I I did not enjoy that moment. It was, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was powerful TV at least. I think it it helped them break their, their mold though of master and basically servant or employee and allowed them to grow their relationship even more so yeah by the end the point's bad it was resolved <laughs> yeah yeah i just didn't like the way he was treating him for the majority of the season it was there was just something that felt wrong about that with how dedicated poe was to kovach that tark would then treat him that way back but what did we all feel about trep and her family and her starting out as basically an enemy to tark but by the end becoming a very important ally and how do we feel about Trap as a character in general? I liked her, and I didn't mind the story. I felt the story itself was a little uneven, but it paid off, so I was okay with it. I like mm-hmm. her, I like her a lot better than Ortega. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> she was an improvement on Ortega, and I thought the devices in her 
had whatever those her coils. Her coils was an interesting spin because even though we've been kind of dealing with sleeves and AI, we haven't dealt as much with sort of hybrid, mechanized, half-human kind of situations. And so that was mm -hmm. an interesting spin to me. I really liked the themes that they, they in, like, delved into with Trepp's character, like, the entire thought of, especially when, by the, by, like, by the end when we see her dad and the relationship she had with her dad and how angry she was that he left, and then kind of coming to realize that even though she keeps saying that she's all about family, she's kind of doing similar things to her dad to her own family like constantly leaving to try and provide for them but always like she's not letting her family down per se but having to realize that there is two sides to that story for her family versus her and I think having to realize that I really liked how they that storyline went overall also a little bit of a heartstring when I realized that her son had died on a mine Glad he had a had a sleeve, but geez, that sucks. Oh my gosh, yeah, and the the sadness of the struggle that they were going through to pay off her son's sleeve was really heartbreaking too. I actually thought that her storyline was pretty engaging, and I really I agree with Celine when she says about Trep mirroring her father's lifestyle and how he was always away, and she's doing exactly the same thing, but not realizing that she's mm -hmm. doing it. It's, it's actually, you know, it happens in real life all the time that, you know, you take up the mantle of one of your parents, generally something you didn't like about that parent and don't realize you're perpetuating that. So I found that quite engaging and realistic. Yeah, it was, for me, I, I really enjoyed Trap's character and I wasn't sure where it was going at first and I thought it was just becoming a little bit of a trope in a way, but I felt like they kept layering on top of her character enough that I was able to really connect with her in the end. But the, the neural coils that she has brings up something that I was thinking about, which is there's a lot of technology introduced in the show that's not explained. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that we're expected to like say, oh, oh okay. Like there's just coils now. Like some people just have coils now. And I'm not necessarily, I'm not mad at that because it makes it intriguing. It just makes me want to know more. And mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the, one of the issues I had with this season was if it was only eight episodes and it felt like there was still more that could have been explored, still more that could have been explored about the world building. I liked that they did have Trep's character, you know, with her son explaining how, you know, his, his original slave died on a landmine like that gives me a little bit more of a real connection to like what the people of this world might be experiencing. So I, I wasn't sure about her at first, but she, I really, I, as an actress, she's phenomenal. And I really enjoyed her character towards the end. So I thought yeah. she brought a lot of value to the show. I wanted to agree with Julianne's assessment of the, the not enough, like the, they expect you to kind of go along with things. To me, that's that's always been part of Altered Carbon, but I feel like it was symptomatically greater this season than it was in mm -hmm. the first season. The only difference is we knew what the world we were walking into was, but even just to get out that we were on Harlan's world and that they somehow, I mean, I didn't realize that the, wherever you call it, with the underground hill, 
Where is that? What is that called? Stronghold. Stronghold. Yes. I didn't realize it was on this actual planet. I had forgotten that, or maybe they said it, or they didn't say it. I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that gets dropped in it atmospherically, and I think that's okay because they're consistent about that. But at the same time, it's one of the it's one of the reasons why I'm not more passionate about the show because I do want to know more details, and I don't have I don't want to have to work as hard for my suspension of disbelief as I sometimes feel like I'm doing with this show. And um, they could have explained a lot of that away with just one additional scene of Tuck arriving at Harlan's world. They, they could have, you know, had him having a conversation with Poe and explained a lot of that without it feeling like you're just suddenly getting, oh by the way, here's a detail you're going to need. We forgot to tell you earlier. But in all fairness, he was kind of just thrown into that world. Like, Trep caught him. He was needle cast there to meet with what's his face who died. So and he was just kind of. Season? He didn't even. He didn't even have any choice in it. He just was suddenly there in a whole new body and had to figure it out himself, kind of just like us. Yeah, but they showed a bunch of scenes with Governor Harlan and all that stuff before they connected all of that. So. Yes, that's very nice, your benefit of the doubting it, but at the same time, they were doing parallel things that they could have easily stitched together a little more neatly than they did. They also teased that it was going to be on Harlan's World this season. Yeah, it was a bit of a Frankenstein's monster in some regards. I yeah. didn't see any teasers, sorry. Didn't we talk about that at the end of the season one thing? Because P.S. I was on chemo when we did that, and I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to say that I liked, speaking of the technology, it, I mean, it is, I thought it was cool that they all had, like, the little TV thing, beeper thing in their eyes. The Oni the that Oni. they had in the first season. Yeah, but, like, they brought it back in this season, and I liked that her and her wife kept fighting over her not turning hers <laughs> off, because that was super realistic. I know. <laughs> Are you hinting at dynamics? I'm hinting at that my wife always yells at me for not being, for being on my phone all the time. So you're trapped, <laughs> is what you're saying? Yes, okay. probably. I also really enjoyed how they revealed that relationship in such an organic way that is never given to lesbian characters and I really enjoyed that. It was very organic in the way they revealed it. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel forced, which a lot of the time in TV I feel like any of those relationships are forced rather than naturally introduced and this one felt very natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. I this is just me throwing like a, a fight out <laughs> as a lob. Well, because I, I know no one's going to agree with me. Spicy. <laughs> I, well, you know, I was homesick today, so I haven't had any social interaction. So the first season, I was like, I don't get what's so special about Kel. Like, I don't get it. Why is this guy chasing her so much? Like, like everything he says is like, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. And then even when we first met her in the second season, I was like what's the big deal? Like, okay, she's, like, kind of a good fighter, whatever. <laughs> so... And, like, even... <laughs> Are you gonna finish your thought? <laughs> well, she gets really cool in this season, right? But, like, that's not the Kel he knew. And so I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I honestly kind of agree with you on it. Cool, thanks! <laughs> Maybe it's a sibling thing, I don't know. Maybe. We both think that the first... Talk is all right, and we both don't think Kel's that great. Cool. I, I thought she was a pretty 
her her story and everything is interesting. Honestly, her and Tok's relationship, I felt like the entire thing was kind of just like forced. It was I could have seen her better as like I'm a mentor and someone who helped get him out of the situation he was in. But you know, it's funny you talk about with Trip and her wife. It felt like they were forcing this relationship on the viewers. Like this is what needs to happen. Obviously. Yeah. And it makes more sense. Have a love interest. Go. Yeah, it makes more sense to me that he would want to find her after all this time because she was such a mentor to him than because they were so deeply in love that that just like never really sat with me. I think she made a better ghost in his head in the first season than she did the actual character. I I think most people make better ghosts in people's heads than they do actual characters in people's lives that's true yeah i'm gonna piggyback on that because i think that's what you were supposed to take away from it because to me i'm not gonna say it was a left field romance in the first season but it was very quick and they didn't actually for me satisfyingly walk me to all they're all of a sudden in love and making love on the beach okay her being yeah. like this this hand from the dark mist reaching down and pulling him into the light, that makes total sense. But then jumping to the romance and then with the sister jealousy and all that stuff that we talked about the last time, I was along for the ride. I was not bothered by Kel this time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to fight with you, Kels, but <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't bothered by her because I think that's what we were supposed to take away, that she was built up so much more in his mind over the course of sleeving and sleeving and centuries and centuries that by the time we actually meet the real truly live Kel, she ends up being something less than what he saw, certainly, and what we saw through his eyes. And I bought that story, actually. Mm. That was See, and I, I felt it was kind of a metaphor. I, I felt it was very much a look at, for example... You know, you're in your 40s, you're single again, you reconnect with an old flame that you dated in high school via Facebook, and you have these fantastic memories of that person. But the reality over time of separation as well changes what that person really is. It, it isn't all the joyous things you remember. You start to realize that there were problems. You start to realize there were things about that person that you didn't like. But those have all been cast aside because our memory as, as humans tends to dwell on the positives of a relationship, especially of the romantic style. So when you have that reconnection, it, it, it isn't always, you know, peaches and cream or roses and sweet scented things. It, it definitely, to me, felt like a metaphor for that in real life. Yeah, plus, that makes to be, sense. plus to be fair, Kel was put on ice by Raylene. That's true. And then invaded by the weird tree thing that makes Angel Fire. So That's true. It's not fair. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I actually the found elders. it. That is a good, That's a good segment. I actually found it really satisfying when they first met and she went, I'm not here for you. <laughs> because I was like, I really wanted it to be like this thing he had built up in his head, but she was really like, no, dude, that was like a one time thing. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good segue into the introduction of these elders. It, it did end up explaining why Kells, who who had been frozen in time for us, 
this time period that had suddenly come out, seemingly gone insane, didn't really recognize Tark. And so we were as viewers a little confused by that from what we'd seen in season one to suddenly she's acting really odd. And we find out that there's this whole other race of beings that are incredibly intelligent and they're using her as a tool to get back at the founders of Harlan's world who tried to eradicate them. Who wants to talk about that? I loved that storyline. That's I, the best part. I, the, the, like, everything about it, the, the archaeologue connection with it, the, the history, the all-encompassing, I thought that was the best part of this season. I wanted them to win. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, I still wanted like talking Kel to escape and what and whatnot, but then I was like, "Yeah, you deserve it." Like, you're kind of Colonel Carrera. <laughs> okay, kind probably am. Yeah, but I didn't like Colonel Carrera. He was like not a good bad guy. Like, he was a total douche. Can we? Okay, we'll get back to your. Let me finish my thought. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know Spencer's usually having spicy and he's just watching it unfold today <laughs> <laughs> but like I just thought you made me lose my thought uh, you just thought don't you what? hate like, it when the train of thought leaves the station without you <laughs> yeah hate it you really loved that plot line thank you you loved everything about it sorry I was helping <laughs> I think so, the I can't remember his name but the one elder who didn't actually, or not the elder, the one founder who didn't actually kill any of the elders, that was Hawk's mentor. Hawk's mentor. His, that reveal, like his entire like showing up on the Oni and being like, don't hate her. And then just kind of giving up and like allowing himself to be killed because he's felt so guilty throughout all these years for his compliance in this genocide. Right. That was, was Tanaseido Hideki. Yes, yes. That was, I think, one of the most, like, to me, like, most real and, like, touching arcs, sort of. Like, it felt the most real and the most, of all the meths, he's the only one I've ever cared about so far. <laughs> he was the only one that came across as having any sort of compassion. And for having learned something throughout all of his time, like, all of the rest of them seem to just, like, I'm going to kind of touch upon the good place here, but, like, after you live for so long, like, what more is there? And he's the only one who seemed to, like, get past that point and actually still learn and be able to evolve as a human without kind of giving in to this, like, numbing that has become of all the mess. My question is, are the Elders only on Harlan's World? Is this only a Harlan's World feature? That's what it kind of was explained as, but I can't say definitively so that... The, the first season, they do briefly touch on the Elders. It's mostly in the first, I think, episode when they see, like, I think there's, like, some relics or something that they have from the the elder race and they mentioned that they were pre they found ruins on Mars and it's actually their technology that basically humanity piggybacks off of that allows them to get to where they are now. They they basically found yeah. the technology, figured it out and using that they're kind of following the elders, you know, kind of path through the universe and everything, or their different planets, things that they've left behind. Yeah, Kelcrest actually developed the stacks from their technology. Yes, yeah, and they didn't really touch a lot on that on the first season, so I appreciated in this this season they definitely delved more into at least how more much more advanced the elders are compared to like humanity and how we are. I'm like they're on Harlan's world and they have the 
you know, the orbitals that, that can, you know, they shoot down anything that goes above a certain height and everything, and how they're there, but, you know, humanity just kind of learns to live with them there, and they, don't, they can't really understand them or anything, and all this different, it kind of gives a meta, like, kind of shows you, like, they're kind of out of their depth when it comes to, like, the more intriguing things. They've only scratched the surface of what they're capable of, so. Well, mm -hmm. that... That makes me, I, I agree with Celine. I, I loved this part of it. I think this was my favorite part of the season, learning about the elders and, you know, Carrera and, and Harlan, the daughter Harlan, they were incidental B-villains kind of really, but the elder isn't really a villain. It's more of an anti-hero yeah. and it was an interesting interplay with sort of that morality piece, which is a continuation from season one in a sense, but takes a new spin with the elders. And I just hope that, I hope this isn't truly the last one that we're watching and that we see either remnants or offspring or secretly alive ones and other iterations if, if Altered Carbon continues, because I feel like they add a gravitas to the story that maybe I was craving from the first season. Anybody here ever read Ender's Game? Mm -hmm. This is just kind of giving me Ender Game vibes where somewhere they're going to find the one egg to revive the entire race. Or are they the one <laughs> ring to destroy it? <laughs> right. Having touched very briefly upon Danica Harlan and Cora. Good job. I could not think of her name. <laughs> I had a friend in high school named Danica, which is why it stuck, sticks in my head. So... <laughs> Yeah, I I agree with Kels. I never felt, like, scared of Carrera. I never felt like, oh, you're actually the villain. Like, I got, I got like, this man is trying to play at villain the he entire time. Me of, like, early seasons, General Talbot in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, just, like, hot-headed, but, like, mm. I don't know. Like I know I was he. Actually... I was just gonna say I know he had a little more follow through than that, but like I was more scared of Danica than I was of him because she had she was more conniving. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I was just gonna say I was actually more fearful of Danica Harlan because she would put on this nice face in public, kind of like most politicians, I suppose. But then she'd attach someone to a firework and blast them into space. Until that moment, I didn't think she was really going to amount to much. I was like, okay, I see what we're trying to set up here, but also like, eh. And then that entire scene happened, and I was like, this is a game changer. She thought her assistant was going to be like the bad guy. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, I actually really liked that him. moment. I thought it was a good <laughs> reveal that gave us um, a reason to hate her properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't think she was that great of a character villain. She wasn't that. Oh, she didn't have a lot of depth to her. It was very much one note of, I took over for my father, and now no one believes I can do it. And it felt like she, she was trying way too hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And honestly, I I kind of figured she had some hand in her father's disappearance. Just the way that yes, it, it, it didn't seem like 
it didn't seem like there was any mystery there. I was like, oh, okay, she's a meth. Obviously, she had her father killed or taken away or something, you know, somehow got into power herself. And it just felt like she was just continuing to try and be either, like, both a good ruler for Harlan's world, but also in the show aspect, I am trying to be a good villain. And it didn't feel like she came off that way. Like, I don't think she really pulled it off, like, the character and everything. I would agree with that, actually. And it was nice to see Neil McDonough, who actually played Harlan, but he didn't do much, so it felt like kind of a waste of using him. Wait, he showed he up. Really was, did. Oh, he was in a flashback and a hologram, so. Carrera really didn't do much for me, but he also wasn't really Carrera. He was Jaeger? Jaeger? Yeah. He was, the, he was the re-sleep of Jaeger. Right, which was fine, but it also, it left me still feeling like there's just not enough strength here to connect it to. I just felt like I needed more. I liked the, going back to what you were talking about with the elders, I, I liked that storyline. I found it intriguing, but it happened so fast for me. And this could be a me thing, because sometimes I get a little dazzled about everything that's going on in the show, that I miss a line or something happens, but... I feel like I shouldn't have to miss one line to totally pick up on the history of something. Mm -hmm. So it feels like, and there's, I mean, this is a really, this was a good opportunity to talk about colonization in a much more in-depth way, especially when the first season deals with class so much. Mm -hmm. Like, and we've, we've sort of dealt with the, the class structures in season one and season two, you know, had, it touched on colonization. You saw the, the the effects of it, but I felt like the elders were really kind of reduced to just just the big meanie in the end. So I don't know. It, it kind of for me suffered from that problem of like I just I still feel like I need a little more history. I need a little bit more backstory. I really needed more backstory when it came to Kel creating stacks. Yeah, I feel I'm like that, that is too. something that's totally glossed over. We don't just even see a flashback about that, I don't think. Yeah, yeah it's just like, and on the seventh day. I 100% agree with that. I still, I'm waiting for that. And I feel like, I almost feel like we're owed that at this point because it's so key to the world. I have a theory on that, which we'll touch upon later. Okay. I, I just was going to say, I think that's the reason that I was rooting so hard for it, the elders to win in the end was because it was so obviously a colonization problem. And just the idea that the humans moved in and took this planet thinking it was uninhabited and then realized, oops, there are things here. I guess we'll just kill them so we can keep this planet was like... No, you can't just do that. And then there was just this genocide. And then they kept the technology on top of it. I just had such a huge moral problem with it. On the other hand, no, I don't think that all the innocent humans should die either. So maybe if they had just like had a mass evacuation and then they got their planet back, that would have been I very great. much I very much agreed with the elders' grudge against the the founders of it, the ones who were there and who either, you know, fired their their guns and killed the babies or like in Tanasada Hadaki's role of just he stood by and let it happen he didn't try harder he just kind of was like no this is wrong but didn't do anything no stop no <laughs> <laughs> they were the ones that were in the room where it happened yes, yes. exactly 
Yeah, no, I agreed. And then when the elder was like, never mind, I'm going to kill everybody, I was like, eh. Well, that's, but see, so now we're hitting on maybe why I'm less passionate about this show is that they have a lot of these great themes that they, they introduce, but they never feel fully rounded out. And that's actually one of the, like, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes compilations, and I like to read critics' reviews sometimes, and that's kind of the summary. Like, really good seeds of really good stuff that you're watching and listening to, but they never fully flush them out in a true way, except for a couple of things, you know, like Tot, for example. I feel like we get a really good fleshed out story for him, which is good because he's the main character and poe i think yeah. he's got a good fleshed out story but when you start adding the dimensions of the world it feels more like backdrop rather than actual more three-dimensional things yeah now i've got two talk stories so and that's so one of the things i was going to say is that the carrera jaeger connection finding out that carrera was really jaeger and it was jaeger that took kovach as a small child and brought him up and made him into this killing machine that is Takeshi Kovach, allowed us to get the, the what I call double tack. So we get the OG tack and Anthony Mackie's tack and their interactions. And the fact that even though they know they're the same person, they completely don't trust each other. I found that to be quite fascinating. Well, I don't know that I trust myself either. Like, I know how I think. And I feel like that's literally how it comes down to, you know, they're both like, I know where I'm at now, and I know where I was at then, so definitely don't trust either of myself. <laughs> that was my other favorite part of the, the season, but I also have a question, because I started to get confused here. Remember how Tak was double-sleeved? Is this clone, the double-sleeve, come back? No. So no, there's actually no, it's, it's, three it's, Taks. <laughs> well, so talk yeah, to basically what happened is this talk was his consciousness was saved by Jaeger, right? And he brought him back into a clone of Tark's original body as kind of his trump card, okay. and obviously we know what happened from there. Yeah, but I yeah, it's I... completely separate from the two talks that we had in season one. Okay, I guess I missed the. I I got that he was a clone of OG Tark. I guess I missed the part that Jaeger was somehow carrying his consciousness for... So the Praetor Was it Jaeger or was it the Protectorate? That the Protectorate saves the DEHFs of, like, their important assets. So at some point, I missed that. way back then, they have certain copies of certain soldiers. I, and I that, had to know that. I did not put that together. I mean, they might have even just kept his, his copy of his consciousness because he had defected, and maybe they keep consciousnesses of people who defect so they can interrogate them more and find more things out about them or... What not? Or if they take out the one that defected, they can spin back up the the one that was still an asset and just be like, "Oh no, that didn't happen. You're fine." Kind of like what <laughs> Jaeger did with Takeshi. And I I did kind of enjoy Jaeger. I think once you found out Carrera was Jaeger, I started to enjoy him a little bit more mm -hmm. as a villain because I think he suddenly he had enjoyed, a little bit more depth. I think he enjoyed playing that part more once Maybe. that was revealed. Maybe he did I, seem to gain more life. Yeah. I think it. It, it made a lot of sense 
why he kind of did some of the things he did. Because he was this, Jaeger was this war hero who took down the Kellist rebellion and stopped the uprising and all this stuff. But then like the protector, it was like, ah, you can't be a hero. You're Carrera now. And just like kind of wrote off his accomplishments, you know, as it's like as a military person, they're like, hey, you know, those past accomplishments you did for us, they didn't happen. So have fun. Go out there and still keep working for us. Oh, is your prediction, Celine, that they're going to bring all the three talks together, including Joel Kinnaman and the other one? Nope. Let's go to your prediction now, Celine. I want to know because now I'm bothered by the fact that there's three talks. <laughs> well, 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 I don't get, think there are anymore. I think we're down to one. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think so. We'll get to predictions here at the end for a potential season three. We, season three has not been greenlit as far as I'm aware at this time. Correct. A couple of things left to talk about, one of which is something I found quite endearing that we haven't touched on yet, and that was Dig 301 and how she basically spawns this relationship with Poe. Being that Poe was my favorite character in season one, having moments in season two where he got to kind of have that same sparkle let's call it. I, I found her introduction and them partnershiping to be one of the lighter moments or lighter parts of the season that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. She was my favorite new character. Yeah, I would agree with that. I wanted to know more about the archaeologues, too. Yes. Same. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest problem I have with season two is Every time we get a thread of a story, it never really filled out enough to give us enough depth. It was like, okay, well, here's that, but now we've got to move on over here. Right. It felt yes. like they introduced a lot of things and then just went, now just know that that exists and let's move on. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're talking you, about Tuck and Kel right now. Do you think they're going to want to do a spin-off of Harlan's World? They've done mm -hmm. an anime called Resleeved. Has anybody watched that? Yeah, I did. I, I watched it yesterday. One. I, I enjoyed it. it yet. It's good. It is good. Yeah, and if you go to settings, you can actually change it and get it in English rather than Japanese with English subtitles. I want the subtitles. I'll stick with Me the too. subtitles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm going to go in the English actually, and I have to hear the Japanese. <laughs> the funny thing was that the, the sound matched perfectly with the mouths and you didn't even realize that you switched. Hmm. But you could focus much more on what's going on without having to read everything. I think I might I have watched it in English. I don't remember now. <laughs> it was it was very enjoyable. So the season ends with Kovach making the ultimate sacrifice by pulling the Elder into his own stack and basically taking the Angel Fire weapon and destroying himself, his stack, and the Elder in order to completely save the human race, at least the human race as it is on Harlan's world. So we're, we're, for a good period of time there, feeling like, that's it, tax done. But Poe does a reboot with the help of Dig and says that there's a way to restore Kovac's consciousness, leaving us with the cliffhanger as to whether there's a season three. They don't actually say it's Kovac. They just say he has a raw DHF file. Oh, yeah, of course. They had those just lying around. It's gonna be Kovach. It's gotta be Kovach. And, well, and, and they did, since we're talking about the three, they did not say that the re double sleeved illegal one is gone. So I. Are you talking about in season one? Yes! No. Yeah, no, he was. They evil. literally had to choose which one survived. Like, that, uh, there was a line where at the end they say, We discovered you've double sleeved. Like,. 
that we, we thank you for what you did, but only one of you can exist. So he has to make that choice. Well, then fine. I'll concede that one, and we're back to two. <laughs> but I, it has to be talk. It has to be the talk that we've been following. Yeah, I don't think it works if it's somebody else. I don't know who else it would be. Well, and Diggs says, better get the good whiskey ready. Yes. Yeah, as a I, thought, I took that as just as a coping mechanism, because they were teaching each other things Kovach has done oh, as a way to cope terrible. with things. But, I maybe. Think if, but I think if, if Poe had managed to keep anybody's war file, it would be Kovach's. Yes, I agree. And I I think that was very, li I mean, literal as, as it can be for Poe. I, I don't think that was a, a saying that they're now just bantering back and forth as two AI forms. <laughs> well, he still doesn't have his memory back. That was Diggs saying that. Like, that's Diggs' memory of Kovach, not Pose. I maintain my position. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain it's going to be Kovach, but we'll probably get another actor playing him again if we get a season three. I'm just throwing so, out there that it's not explicitly said. That's all. I mean, they had <laughs> I to integrate this actor to make sure he didn't come back. <laughs> so with that all in mind, what do you guys have as, as a prediction for season three, if there is a season three? I think it's likely there's going to be a season three from all the scuttle I've been reading. It's an expensive show, but it's got a pretty sizable following. And I think they're at least going to try to do, even if it's the last one, a third season. But I don't have any prediction whatsoever because this season didn't really go in the way that I would have expected from the jumping off point from season one. So I don't know, other than I think that the consciousness that we're talking about is, in fact, talk OG consciousness. That's the, that's the only one I got. So I, I have a prediction. Okay. I believe that what's going to happen is that talk is going to come back as himself. He and kill Chris Falconer are then going to try and restore humanity to no longer having stacks to getting rid of meths. That's going to be their goal so that you don't have this uber rich, uber poor separation any longer that you get one life, a normal human life. That'd be a good story. I think that's and what would be bad for me too, just because of the significance of Kel creating the stack hasn't, to me, just has not been explored enough for how important it all is. So I think for me, that would be what I would want to see. Essentially, that was my prediction as well. I think that this season was a transitional period between the... So I, I think that season one was all about getting Tak back, the last envoy. This season was about getting Kel back, the, the leader of the rebellion. And I think next season is literally going to be the taking of this war to the rest of the known universe. Kel basically rectifying the atrocities that have happened since she created something. The bastardization right, of her idea. One. What? That was her goal in season one. It was mentioned explicitly that she yeah. wanted to destroy the stack technology. So I feel that that's the most natural course for the show to take. Mm -hmm. I can buy that. Um, I think, yeah, I agree with Julianne. I'm still waiting for the this whole fundamental background behind the stack invention. And you'd be able to get those flashbacks if that's the way the season turns, where you you know you go back to Kel starting it all and forward to them back. You know, it it works well 
from a storytelling perspective. Any other predictions? They didn't really give us a lot to go off of on the end of this season. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Just that, you know, talk is the, the version of talk that we know and have been following is still likely alive, but they didn't really, other than, they didn't really show where he's going to end up. They, they showed us where, you know, his OG talk is, you know, going to be a spy in the protectorate for Kel, and then Kel's going to other worlds to kind of reignite the rebellion and take over there, but they didn't really say where where Tuck is going to end up in all of that, or give any sort of hints or anything. All right. I well, have probably... Go ahead. not a prediction, but a monkey wrench I want to throw into all of this. You guys are all convinced that this is Tuck's consciousness. Now, what if Poe, having had the conversation with Tuck about how Tuck said he wants to have the, you know, he wanted to have an actual relationship with, with Kel. He wanted to run away and have the entire, like, let's actually be in love, have children, blah, blah, blah. What if, since Poe downloaded both Kel's and Tox consciousness, this DHF is a manufactured child of the two of them? Just throwing that in there. That thought actually crossed my mind. That, that thought actually crossed my mind because they did introduce the fact that a consciousness could be basically infested by, you know, another one. But that was also, it was an elder, so we don't know how their technology works. But it did occur to me, like, they almost seem like two sides of the same coin. So what if they're actually combined as a character at some point? So, yeah. I'm because glad you brought that up, because I thought about that earlier today, and I forgot about it, so thank you. You're welcome. I can get behind maybe the two consciousnesses occupying the same stack business, but if you're uh, if you're talking about an actual offspring, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with that. I, don't I, I think that's all just a reach. Yeah. <laughs> I said it was a monkey wrench. I'm just, you know what, we're in science fiction. Why not just finish it off, you know? Like, let's just go with it. I don't know, they, they did establish that two two stacks or two consciousness at least the two consciousnesses in one stack does not work like they were like, I'm not that saying can't even happen when they were like this is what it looks like and they're like well that's not possible I'm not saying two separate consciousness I'm saying what if Poe was just like we'll just like splice and dice and just well, make a whole new being in yeah. that case I don't think he's gonna make a whole new being because human minds are complex I'm gonna throw a banana at your monkey <laughs> 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 You're really adorable, but you read too much fan fiction. <laughs> but maybe. I'm just saying, if I was writing this story, I might go there. My prediction is that we're going to see another planet and more people and maybe some aliens and dragons. Cause we're going to see a plot. There will be a setting. What? A plot? Are you talking about dragons? Like, what's in the title? Because we've never seen any of those. That's an Ouroboros, specifically. An Ouroboros, because it's not a snake. That's a circle. The head of a, the head of the snake is eating the tail, and it's a perfect circle. That's not an Ouroboros. Okay, an Ocho Ouroboros, because it forms an eight. You made up that word, and it's <laughs> an Ochoboros. <laughs> And Ocho Dracos. <laughs> okay, before we get too ridiculous, we're not there. <laughs> I, I'm being as polite as an Englishman generally is. So, 
if there is a season three, other than the fact that as we're all on this panel and it's kind of compulsory for us to watch it, would you watch season three? And also, would you recommend seasons one and two to others? And if you would, why? And if you wouldn't, why not? I will keep watching. I like the show. Even if I don't love the show, I still like the show and I still want to know what happens. Would I recommend it? I, I've been dancing back and forth on that question. When I talk about it with other science fiction aficionados, and I'm a sci-fi lover, I find it hard to say to every, even all the science fiction lovers in my life, you will like this. It's, it's different. And that's what I tell people. And I also tell people they have to be very patient with it, that it will eventually click, but you have to give it some time to breathe. So I guess if you're a sci-fi person who really loves that kind of story unfolding then you will love altered carbon but if you're looking for something that's a little bit more linear than what altered carbon is you won't and that's kind of where i'm at like i'm a 50 percent recommender on this show to sci-fi people only yeah i wouldn't recommend this show to people that aren't into sci-fi it's definitely a sci-fi heavy property i enjoyed it i would recommend it i would definitely say you, you'll enjoy season one better but you'll want to continue to through season two, even if you do find it not as good as season one, it's only eight hours, so you can deal. You can deal with it. Just deal with it. I will definitely continue watching. I I think I would recommend it to people just because I really like having discussions. And this is a show that I can have a lot of discussions about. So whether or not other people will like it, I don't care. I just want to have discussions. So I probably continue to recommend it to people. What Especially if I know that there are people right who now, will give me good discussions. <laughs> what are we doing right now? <laughs> I, exactly. But She's what not I'm satisfied by this. She's I will never be satisfied. <laughs> She's going to be like, everybody watch this show so I can talk about it over and over and over. That's... I really, I just, I love people's opinions. Yes, I really do enjoy hearing other people's thoughts on things. And and not that the five of you guys aren't enough. That's not what I'm saying. But every person I talk to always brings something new to the table. And, and tomorrow I'm something... she's going to have more thoughts. Yes. We, this discussion has percolated thoughts in my head that won't fully form for another week. And in a week, I will be like, oh, I have an epiphany! And then I'll only have Kels to tell. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not very satisfying. Because I'll be like, I forgot that show already. <laughs> There you go. There you go. True. And I mean, shows like this where there is so much to unpack, there's a lot of like things started that aren't necessarily finished that may or may not ever be finished. Who knows? Just the show that's as dense as this is one that I'm, I'm never done thinking. Kels and I talk a lot about the fact that like 10 days from now, I'll suddenly start a conversation that was started 10 days earlier. I'll rebring it up and be like, do you ever wonder if, but I'll have no introduction to this thought. It just pops out of my head and she's like, what? Where did it even one. come from? And I'm like, just, yo, context. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's, that's typical wife. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm just, so, I watch a show and I'm never quite done watching it in the, the theater of my head. They're always just in a back theater room in my head 
playing out their little my my head is very complex <laughs> so are you gonna recommend it yes i said i was gonna recommend it, it to people can, so i could keep talking to them about it can other she people did say that. talk now <laughs> <laughs> it's spicy. Okay. It's spicy. So I'm gonna keep watching and I would not recommend the show to anyone right now until I watch season three and see where it goes from there. If they're like, hey, you watch Altered Carbon, should I watch it? I'd be like, yeah. But I would not like go out of my way to be like you should watch Altered Carbon, because I want to wait and see where it goes from here. Yeah, I would definitely, I would recommend season one to sci-fi fans for sure. And there are some people, depending on what their general tastes are, that even if they're not into sci-fi, I would say, just check it, just check out season one. I think you'll find it interesting. But I don't know that I would say I would recommend to go beyond it unless you were like really digging on season one. I know for sure, like, you know, despite the problems I had with it, like, I still enjoyed it. And I still had a good time. And my, if my main issue is that I wanted more information, that's kind of, that's kind of a bad problem to have in a way. Because I still found it so entertaining. And I'm still very intrigued by this world. So I would, I would love to see where it goes. It depends on how it goes, I would be a little disappointed if it ended up going in the direction of, like, a totally new world and all new concepts. Like, I'd like to see it kind of brought back around. But, yeah, I would definitely recommend season one. And I'd say, if you if you love that, check out season two. But I wouldn't say, like, you must watch this show in its entirety. Sounds like I'm, I'm following pretty much the same idea of definitely recommend season one. Still want to recommend that to people who are into this type of show, who I know would enjoy it, who would get some aspect of it. I can't say I'd recommend season two for the same reasons. If you enjoy the, the characters and everything, it does shed more light and everything on, on those characters and their stories and adds a little bit more depth. But I, I just didn't feel like this season was as strong of a season. Maybe because it was shorter than the first one. Maybe they felt like things were rushed. Maybe it felt like they couldn't explore as many things as they set up to explore. But I also, I ended up reading the books in between the first podcast and watching that and then into the second one. And I really enjoyed the books and I found the first season very much closely matched with the first book. So it had like the full story and the full kind of template there. And season two felt like a mashup of the second and third book in the series. So it felt like they tried to take a lot of things from both books and slam them together to, to me. So it, it felt like the, a lot of things were incomplete. So, And I guess that's why I, I'm not quite sure where they're going to go with this next, because they didn't leave a lot of room for themselves in the source material. So it, it's going to be kind of a whole new thing, and I'm not sure that's going to be great. So recommending of the whole series, it'll have to wait until after season three, but I will definitely always recommend season one to people. So, All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up, Kylie. If you'd like to do your okay. finishing touches. Do you recommend it? I mean, you Yeah, I, I went first. <laughs> yeah, no, I went first. I recommend it. Definitely season one. And then if you enjoy season one, you have to follow through to season two. I'd also recommend the anime, The Resleeved. I found that to be a lot of fun. And I would definitely suggest if anybody on this podcast hasn't watched it yet to do so. It's still Takashi Kovech, but very different Takashi. Very enjoyable. 
And I, I like this property as a whole. So yeah, I'll continue watching it and I will recommend it to people I know are into kind of a sci-fi thing. All right. Well, since Spencer kind of landed or repeated himself, sorry if I made you do that. <laughs> what I'd like That's to, right. Yeah, what I'd like to do is thank Kelseline, Ben, Julianne, and Spencer for moderating our Altered Carbon Season 2 podcast episode. And because we've talked through Altered Carbon Season 2, it is now time to... Roll the credits! Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation Point! was produced by Back Pocket Productions, run by yours truly, the Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piette. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast, and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kels Resmer. House played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. And we're now on Patreon at patreon.com slash couchpotatoesunite. If you really love us, pledge your support by becoming one of our United Couch Potatoes as we grow our little sofa-populated corner of the world. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book. By email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, our Patreon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and our Patreon to stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point! Until the next time, Alter Carbon is available to stream on Netflix because that is the network who makes it our unofficial non-sponsor, whose name we say quite a bit. In the meantime, as Netflix has not we have said, yet announced whether or not Altered Carbon has been renewed for a third season or canceled, our Altered Carbon panel will anxiously await with bated breath what the future holds for this futuristic show. So until next time, until next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening, keep watching, stay tuned! Bye-bye! Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.